very tough for sheer fucking hubris. Fucking hubris. Yeah, welcome to this show that does not have a name yet. Uh, Joe Bob with me is Warden, Biblio Warden, and Mr. Willie. Um, we're a couple engineers and a librarian. You should be able to figure out by the names who the librarian is, and if not, you're probably not smart enough to listen to this highbrow. Channel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's highbrow intellectual podcast. So, yeah. so the three of us recently uh, watched Star Trek Picard and have been talking about it uh, as as the season progressed, and I've had a lot of fun, and so. Warden decided uh, that we should watch Star Trek Discovery and do the same thing. Uh, he had seen it. I did not purchase Star Trek uh, uh, CBS All Access when Discovery came out because I didn't have enough faith in it. And as it turns out, I may have been right. Um, so he's seen all of uh, five, episode five ninety nine a month since two thousand seventeen. I mean, you can do the math on it. Probably. Uh... <laughs> Probably save yourself some good money. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can do the math to tell you I don't think it was worth it. <laughs> but uh, so Warden's seen everything up to how many? They made three seasons. Is that right? They're through two. The, se- uh, the third season's going to be out fairly soon. Oh fuck! It hadn't been canceled. They're still making no. it. No. Excuse that, man. Totally. Okay. All right. So yeah, Warden seen through season two. I think Willie's a few episodes. Um, actually, they've got season four on the lock, uh, on the docket too. Well, Ooh. praise the Lord. <laughs> I hope it. I hope it's off, uh, off and running like season one is so far. Okay. Uh, okay. Season three is. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's may, supposed to it take a turn, good. and that's all I'll tell you. You know, maybe it would be good if we kind of rank our, uh, our our Star Trek knowledge and background here. You know, so that everybody kind of gets a feel for where we're coming from and, and why we're, uh, why we loathed Picard like we did and why uh, this whole <laughs> discovery thing came about. All right. Well, why don't you, uh, why don't you start off, Willie? Uh, so I, I'd probably say as the three of us, I am the least versed in Star Trek. So, uh, yeah, started off, came, came into the Star Trek world around the TNG era and, uh, really enjoyed it. Fantastic show. Um, Watched some Deep Space Nine, watched a little bit of Voyager, and uh, watched a few of the movies, but but definitely my library is not complete when it comes to Star Trek. But, uh, you know, I fell victim to it, and so when CBS released Star Trek Picard, they just, they tapped into that nostalgia, and uh, I said, man, I've got to watch it. And uh, I watched it, and was uh, thoroughly disappointed for 10 episodes, uh, and it was uh, it's just a totally different story. And uh, I said, my God, this is awful. And um, and that was kind of when you know, just the writing and everything, just top to bottom. And so, uh, uh, like like Joe Bob mentioned, Warden said, if you think this is bad, uh, <laughs> you got to see how off the rails Discovery is. So, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, way to watch Discovery is we're going into it with our expectations so low already and uh, with such cynicism that uh, I think we're really going to be able to give it a fair shake. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, that, so that, like I said, that's kind of my background uh, as far as Star Trek is concerned. 
Yeah, so I guess I'm probably uh, in the middle uh, as far as my Star Trek knowledge goes between uh, Willie and Warden. Um, you know, I was a, a child of the late 80s, early 90s as well. So TNG was really in my wheelhouse. Enjoyed it a lot. Um, watched uh, the first uh, first few seasons of Deep Space Nine. Went to college. Started chasing women and uh, realized that uh, trying to get laid and trying to watch Star Trek were often uh, took you to, down divergent paths. And so uh, I kind of quit watching Star Trek for a few years, but then I, I picked up Deep Space Nine and, and recently rewatched it on Netflix and, and really enjoyed it. Watched just a little bit of Voyager. I picked up a few episodes uh, on Netflix uh, here and there. Never really enjoyed it that much. Um, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't that good. That that was a big part reasons. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then watched. Uh, I mean, only a handful of episodes of Enterprise, and again, just never could, uh, never could really get into it. Um, the original series just uh, it wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, I have seen a handful of episodes. I'm kind of familiar with it. Um, the movies, you know, I've seen all the movies. The even number ones are good. The odd number ones are usually shitty. So <laughs> two's amazing. Four's a lot of fun. Six is really good. First Contact's good. Nemesis is, you know, better than Generations and Insurrection. And, uh, in the the rebooted movies, I uh, thought only I only enjoyed the third one, and then, like Willie said, watched Star Trek Picard, and I guess uh, I completely skipped Discovery. Did play a lot of S Star Trek Online for about a year, so I sort of have that uh, that little bit of lore as well, you know. And but me being an engineer, like I I love the ships. They're so unique. They're they're beautiful. They're typically well thought out. Um. I've always enjoyed that part of it, and uh, you know the thought-provoking, actual science fiction piece of Star Trek that uh, really took front and center on Picard. Yeah, yeah. There. that and you know the optimist, the optimism, and uh, <laughs> the way it uh, handles uh, social issues with such a deft hand and uh, subtlety. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, something that they uh, they perfected. And then uh, totally ruined, all within the same arc. But, um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, right? Yes, uh, yes, we are. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> so, Ward, tell us a little bit about uh, your history with Star Trek. Yeah, um, <clears throat> my first exposure was uh, Next Generation because I'm basically the same age as you guys are. Um, but I just, it, my brother was really the Trekkie, um, and I just had just episodes here and there, but otherwise I didn't have the attention span for TV uh, when I was little. Um, started watching it a little bit more when I got old, and then, um, so I saw DS9 and first couple seasons, and then... Um, kind of got away from that, and then it, it seemed like every time a new show I watched it for a little while, and then uh, something over here. Um, but um, and and I saw the movies when they came out, and so on and so forth. Um, when um, 
when I moved out of my parents' house, finally, um, after college and all that kind of stuff, I uh, kind of... Like any good Star Trek fan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Eventually, I did move out. Um, so... <laughs> Um, and, and had a job and everything. Um, so, yeah, the, um, the, right around that time is when the original series came out on Blu-ray. And so I'm like, I'm going to watch the original series and we're going to see where this goes. And I watched it and I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is good. Season three. This is weird. Um, <laughs> um, and then um, they had uh, Next Generation come out on uh, Blu-ray and I watched uh, all of those and then watched all of DS9 on Netflix and watched Voyager on Netflix and just kind of, I kind of got it all here actually fairly recent and, and one big chunk. Um, I've seen all the Abrams movies. I've seen all of the Next Generation movies ex except for um, except for Nemesis. I keep forgetting to watch it. Um, and the given the fact that everybody says Forgetting. it's terrible, it's kind of hard yeah. <laughs> hard to get myself excited for it. <laughs> um, the only of I've seen all the classic era uh, uh, classic crew movies as well. Um, I don't remember Star Trek Five, but I'm you're better off. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're better off with that one. Michelle Nichols yeah. dancing in the sand. Yeah, try to entrap people was uh, <laughs> that's all you need to know. Move on to number six. Uh, um, what does God I want... need with a starship? I still have not gone back and watched Enterprise yet. Um, that was always a disappointing one for me. I wanted to like Enterprise. Um, I liked the idea of going back to the more normal Star Trek mode, and I also liked I like Scott Bakula. I think he's cool. Um, but um, yeah. I just never have yeah, gone back I, to finish it. And you made a good point there, and I think that's kind of where we've all arrived, is that we keep wanting to like Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe we just got spoiled with TNG, but, uh, you know, we're we're just repeatedly let down. <laughs> TNG is just so great. I mean, it's such a great balance of... I mean, even the bottle episodes, they, they managed to do some of those reasonably compelling. Um, but I mean, so I mean, and, and then well, the this... bottle episodes become even more important when you know it switches from you know you got the '90s storytelling method where it's self-contained episodes that could be mm -hmm. in any order, and sometimes aren't even filmed in the same order, you know, that they're released. Right. Right. Um, you know, to the later '90s and and you know into the modern era, the season-long arc. Uh, mm hmm storytelling format where there's a definite progression through the season and and the order of the the series uh the episodes is important the bottle episodes can kind of provide a break from that it's nice to have like that self-contained uh mm. episode where you're dealing with you know just just the people and just an interaction right. or something a little bit silly i think I kept waiting for one of those in Picard. Um, and, oh, there's and, not enough time. It's a 10-episode season. They're not going to waste a minute. I mean... Yeah, but, I mean, god damn, I got tired of, like... <laughs> I mean, wasn't there... There was, like, at least one execution scene in every episode from <laughs> 3 through 10. Jeez, oh, yeah. Man. Please, my friend, choose to live. 
Oh, man. <laughs> just, uh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Oh, oh this show with the lightest character <laughs> out of them all is the one that's constantly beheading people. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then. And then try yeah, to think of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need to. We don't need to harp on the card. Um, yeah. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, but but I think the common thread is we 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 do really like Star Trek. It's going to come across like we hate it, probably, <laughs> but we really really like Star Trek, and we like the fact that it's you know it. We like the positive outlook on humanity and the the the. In the future, and that whole th- and and that kind of thing, um, and it, it's kind of sad that we don't seem to have that now because our expectations are too high. Because I think we so. really like Star yes. Trek, and that, and that's the yes. problem. Well, yeah, and, you know, and so if, if if we went into this like the mindless droves of people who just need more phasers, more torpedoes, and weird camera angles, we'd be as happy as we'd be right now. Uh, but the problem is that uh, we're looking for something a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I, I, for one, feel like they haven't delivered much on that, uh, except for Card as a whole. And uh, the first, at least, I think, five or six episodes of Discovery, uh, <laughs> not, not off to a, you know, not off to a stellar start. Yeah, well, and, and you need to, uh, you know, maybe Warden or Billy could kind of rein me in on this, because I don't want to be the guy that's, you know, well, in episode seven of season three of the original series, Captain Kirk specifically says Klingons did not invent warp travel until the year 2047. And so how could they have been, you know, I don't want to be that guy. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, right. having canon and continuity is one thing, right? And I mean, but it is a 50-year-old series. And, you know, you so there's flex. some things that are updating, you know, that are worth right. updating. But at the same time, if you want to, if you're gonna, if you're gonna put the Star Trek name on this show, on a, or on a show, any show, mm-hmm. then you need to pay a little bit of, of respect to the world building that's been done and keep right. some consistency. I mean, updating a visual is fine. Retconning something when you need it for a storytelling purpose is fine. But if you want to make just something that is completely not Star Trek, that's fine. Do whatever the hell you want to do, but don't put the Star Trek name on it, because that's confusing and wrong, and it it, it makes you... Right. Uh, you it know, makes I, you hate stupid that, shit even more. I kind of felt that way sometimes about Picard, you know, had it just been a standalone sci-fi miniseries, it would have been a lot more palatable. But when you try to watch it through the paradigm of Star Trek canon and, and what drives those characters' decision-making, that was where it all just completely fell apart. And and uh, and I've seen the same thing kind of in Discovery, at least they're new characters, so I'm not being let down with them. But uh, at least, you know, the storytelling is, is kind of a, a very similar outcome thus far. All right, yeah, so let's let's get into Star Trek Discovery. All right, so, you know, we... Say how you want to. You want to just kind of go through, start at the beginning and talk about episodes one and two because they're sort of a, mm-hmm. they're sort of a, it's kind of a two-parter. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think depending on time, we might need to break it down into two episodes. We may really get off on a rant here. <laughs> um, you know, I will say this though: 
what I appreciate about episode one of Discovery is that the, we went ahead and threw the prime directive out from the get-go. We don't even <laughs> we don't even pretend to respect Star Trek canon. <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, this planet. Well, and is, they, they uh, even is, make is, a point to say that there is a general order number one. Yes, that's I'm like, right. I'm like, yeah. wait, is that the prime directive or <laughs> yes, have we, it's have we changed what? It's the, the, the right, early right. version of the Prime Directive, yeah. But 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 if you remember, they even made a comment. They said, well, as long as we avoid contacting these people, not technically violating General Order Number 1. You know, even though these people see them, and they're tracking them through the desert, and they have clearly been noticed, and they know what's going on, uh, you know, they still feel like, oh, well, you know, we've, we, we've kind of got the, there's the gotcha clause on the Prime Directive. But yeah. its name is the Prime Directive. There, there should be no get you clause in that. But, uh, but so well, we no. save everybody from an eighty-nine year flood, and you know we're none the wiser, except for the, I don't know, weird dude that climbs up out of the well that I guess they shot. I, did anybody else think that was kind of weird? It, mm. Was it just me? Did he climb up out of the well, or did he come from? I don't know. It's I thought like it was he weird. climbed out of the well to me. Uh, of course, uh, again, the whole scene was kind well, of... Maybe a, he was a predator that yeah. had been locked, sealed under the, the crust. <laughs> a predatory species that's going to go eat all the eggs. Maybe so. Uh, well, well, look, th this, that scene exists for three reasons. One, to tell us that, that Jojo thinks that Mike is on is ready for the captain's chair. After seven years, well, to establish their relationship, yeah. Two, to show us the super cool visual of them walking out a Star Trek logo, that mm -hmm. you know the Vulcan girl who can calculate everything down to the second didn't notice oh, what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, um, <laughs> how far do you think the storm is? Oh, I don't know. I estimate one hour, seventeen minutes, and twenty-two seconds. Yeah, and you give think she would have said something break. when? <laughs> They got to the point at the top of the little logo and did a dotty, you know, an acute angle turn back towards the storm. Like, uh, hey, where the fuck are you going? Yeah. <laughs> We're going back <laughs> into the storm, but should we? Um, you know, second of all, like the winds blowing and everything, but now the footprints blow away, whatever, whatever. And the third thing is to show the sweet ass shot of the, the sh shit show. show Whatever. Shinjo. Shinjo. Yes. yes, the, the USS okay. uh, Affirmative Action. Um, <laughs> oh, it is in there. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, so I wondered about that. Do we, like, do we specifically in this era pair, like, Asian captains with Asian-sounding ships? Like, like uh. if the Forge was from this era, would he on the be on the bridge of the Kunta Kente? Oh, my God. <laughs> or... Uh, yeah. It just. Uh, I just no. don't even know. I, I don't even know what, if I want to pick that one up. It's like beating the face on torpedo into my hand. Better your hands than your fucking chest cavity. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Yeah, now, let me not get back. Get ahead of myself. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so that was the that was the three things that I think the scene was meant to accomplish. But what it really showed us. Is it A, they don't give a fuck about the Prime Directive? Mm. And B, 
and this will come up later, <laughs> that uh, JoJo and Mike are terrible, terrible, terrible planners of away missions. <laughs> <laughs> Because why the fuck are you going to go down to a planet or you know you got this huge 90-year storm rolling through and not set up, I don't know, a rally point? Like... Or go to a canteen? Hey, a rifle. You know? Hell, if all you're going to do is, is shoot, just shoot it hey. from orbit. Or, or... You know, if the storm hadn't gotten there yet, why not beam to the well? Why beam I, where you have to walk to it anyway? They didn't want to get... Uh, I guess they could, we had to see the egg shot, I guess. Um, obviously, we, we had to walk there. Well, but if you think about it, I mean, that's that's very blatant that they are not, you know, just these mystery people out in the desert. If they get beamed into the well and the locals see them, then they're like God. Right, well, it was very populated at the time that they actually approached it. Um, it was a real hopping place. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if yeah, you well, don't want to look I'm like just... God, don't go to a primitive culture and pull out your phase rifle and fire a few bolts, you know, lightning bolts from my hand to bring this water forth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Scrag hit it with your cane next time instead, right, or your staff? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Computer, Moses hologram active. Um, <laughs> so the the sh- sh- God, Moses, you've been wandering this damn place for forty years. I'm gonna walk out of Star Trek pen. Pharaoh, they've turned yeah, around. Man. They changed their mind. They're coming back. <laughs> oh, thank God! Oh shit! That's a Starfleet logo. <laughs> oh man oh god 12 oh, tribes to tripper. beam up yeah so if the Shinto comes through the clouds is first of all how they could not see the ship from where they were but it, from low orbit it could see the <laughs> footprints you know what whatever I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so they come I, through the clouds I, and beam them up and I'm like if if all you had to do is get on the cloud cover and all this shit work, why didn't you just go to the cloud cover and scan for them? They're the only two human life signs on this whole planet. Uh, because you need a you you, you need a you human need life an sign organic, yeah, you need a life to, sign uh, to be anybody to get a transporter lock. That's yep. an important plot point. It is. It is. It'll come up later, like you said. Uh, you know, they really did a great job of setting all this up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> But to be fair, right, you know, we, we, we said early on, we want to be fair, and we don't want to be too hard on. So I think it's I think it's important to talk about some of the very few things that we like. Uh, I thought the ship design was pretty well done for the Federation. I, I think the Klingons mm-hmm. were pretty god-awful, but I thought the Federation <laughs> ships looked pretty damn good. And, they looked uh, good. So, they looked know, like when, Star when Trek the ships. Came down, right, when, when the Shinzo came down, you know, I was like, hey. You know that was that was what I was expecting to see of a Federation ship, right? Uh, so you know that that part of the scene was, uh, you know, was was better. Um, of course, again, that has nothing to do with writing, yeah. uh, plot development, character development, uh, story arcs. That had, was totally independent of all those. But they at least got the ship uh, right. 
Right. <coughs> well, I mean, after the first two episodes, you don't even see the nameship of the series yet, and it's pretty pretty banging too. It's a gorgeous series. Right. Just, just yeah. I was about to visually, say, visually, it's a gorgeous it, show. I liked the uniforms. Uh, you know, yes. I, yeah. Oh God, yes. <laughs> I thought they were a good in between from the Enterprise ones that were very blah and plain to the original series ones. So I mean, I... yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of the visuals, a lot of the aesthetics are are very much improved. Though, though, as a round guy, I can just only imagine how that would look on the the. <laughs> On well, someone who is not perfectly fit. Um. <laughs> I will, but but uh, on the series, you would have been able to run around the jogging track around the general corridors of the ship. So yeah, that's been true. In that's true. Shape. I mean, and if we're going to talk about ahead of uniforms on big guys, I mean, at least it's not the onesie from the first couple seasons of TNG. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. You think that thing had an ass flap on it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you figure they thought of everything by, uh, you know, what was that, the 24th century there? Yeah. No lie, the reason that those uniforms changed from a one-piece to a two-piece is because uh, Patrick Stewart's doctor was going to, like, have him sue him because they were so tight. It was pulling his uh, spine mm -hmm. out of alignment. Yeah. Oh, gee. Uh, and so he got to wear, and the main cast got to wear the good uniforms, and then they had all the extras wear the spare <laughs> first season episode. Uh, uh, it's a, it was a mix, but yeah. So, so all right, so so we, so so we we move on out of the desert. We get beamed up to the ship where we and, meet the uh, other character out of the three whole characters that we get really introduced to in this first two episodes. So we get three right. characters. One of them is completely unlikable. One of them is completely uninteresting. And the third one's got potential. What science officer Niles or what <laughs> Saru. Might as well be Saru. 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 Yeah. Saru. Yes. That's a you know <laughs> Niles. <laughs> That's why I couldn't think of anything else. Because he's got that streak of, you know that yellow streak and but he's very uh uh proper and Obviously, yeah. well educated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, it, we we're not getting into it now. But um, just pulling from the future uh, that you guys haven't seen yet, um, he ultimately, in my mind, over time, is the one only character who is consistently interesting and actually gets interesting character development. Um, <laughs> well, he so. was the only one that wasn't a complete fucking dumbass, too. Well, there is that. I think that should be pointed out. <laughs> Like right, most he of the was time, the one that got he got railroaded through the entire episode. It seems like <laughs> right, and he was right. He's the only one who was speaking any sort of uh, of good ideas to the captain and the first officer, and just continuously got railroaded. But, right, uh, and he's yeah, I, always I looking around like, "Am I really end. seeing this?" <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> and because he was the only competent one. He gets left on the ship through all three <laughs> away missions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, now, yeah. I don't know about a planet where a food chain <laughs> is simplified to just predator and food. Uh, 
I, mean, I liked his comment about... They elaborate later. <laughs> we it takes were, a while, but they elaborate. We were specifically bred to sense death. I was like, mm -hmm. what? That's a terrible mm -hmm. thing to do for food. Like, yeah. You don't want your food to sense the approaching death. Like, that's they explain later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in the, in the Shawshank Redemption, they said it's a little better if they fight a little bit, so... Maybe well, that, yeah, uh, well, yeah, that's why in slaughterhouses, though, you go around a curve, there's walls along the conveyor, so you don't see the other cows get slaughtered, and then <laughs> they shoot a nail down into their head from the top, so that... Yeah, you, know. you, don't, you don't want them whispering back up the chain. Uh, <laughs> also, you well, are you know, uh, adrenaline uh, for... It you're makes in for a real treat in a few good. episodes. Yeah, yeah, you're in for a real treat in a few episodes. Um, don't, don't, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but they uh, they really double down on the whole. Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense that they were farmed as prey, but uh, but but we'll get there in good time. Okay. In good time. So so yeah, they uh, they're they're repairing an array. Sorry, we, we also we we skip straight over the the intro with Klingon. Speaking oh. Klingon subtitles, uh, I mean, kudos, I guess, to try and get some realism in there, but um, just have <laughs> yeah. speak English, for God's sake. You know, this is not this is not going for uh, up for any movie awards here. You know, we don't we're not, we don't need that level of detail and realism. Just let them speak English. Uh, speaking but, of uh, speaking of speaking English. His English ended up being clear, clearer and more intelligible than Flippa Jojo's. <laughs> like, Flip does it make sense that in the 23rd century or 22nd, wherever we are right now, where, where we have a united Earth, that we still have that much of a dialectual difference in the way we speak? Because I. I, I mean, I, I guess they were going for making her very, very Asian, but I couldn't fucking understand what she was saying some of the time. You know, <laughs> this is Captain Felipe Jojo of the USA Xinjiang. Oh, my God. It, it wasn't, I mean, I'm look, I'm exaggerating ever so slightly. <laughs> yeah, it's But just, it wasn't yeah, much better than that. On a rewatch, I, I realized it was it was a little bit worse than, uh, than I originally thought. Mm -hmm. But, you know, again... Um, a lot of these new episodes and these new series were, were kind of writing from a, an inclusive nature, uh, and but it's not done in a subtle way. It, it, it goes back to what we were talking about before. You know, back during TNG and probably even to the original series, I haven't seen much of it, they did a lot of good, nuanced social commentary. Uh, clearly, whether... Well, she, yeah, Chief O'Brien didn't sound too, like a fucking leprechaun. You know, I mean, like, he had an Irish accent... But it wasn't like right. he was trying to sell his lucky charms, I, you know. <laughs> you know but, but maybe the problem is we as viewers have become so ignorant that we can't pick up on subtlety anymore. And so if they, don't, if they don't pound it into our face like a cloak ship into the saucer section of the Europa, you know, we're not, it's Christ. not going to sink in. It's not going to hit home. Not going to hit home. So. That, so is, anyway, so, that yeah. is an so, excellent point. Yeah, TV, the TV viewing public and, and, and just people in general are just so freaking stupid now that you can't – there are things you can't do anymore. No, no. So subtlety has gone out the door. 
Uh, if you do not check the box, if you don't check off a certain amount of boxes within the first 15 minutes of a pilot episode, uh, you're you're not going to get picked up. So especially for network TV, network mm. TV is by far worse. So, but so, well, this, so and so, this so, is t- internet TV being done by a network. So. <laughs> God only knows <laughs> yeah, what calculus it, they're doing. It's a Star Trek show. CBS was going to give it a season, probably two. But I'm sure there were lots of hands uh, in in the script. Uh, lots of uh, oh yeah, there's been direction from on high. <laughs> direction by committee. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, all right, so, well, but, but yeah, so so we yeah. get we get new Klingons and, and they look different. And you know, honestly, I'm okay with it. Um, if you want to change something up like that, this kind of superficial, you know, make it your own. I, well, there was I, a I big change in the way Klingons looked from the original series to the next generation. Right mm-hmm. now, now personally, I'm still partial to the TNG and DS9 Klingons, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, these other guys, I, I feel like they look. You know, you made them look a little more alien, uh, I guess I would say. But, you know, some people may have issues with the way the Klingons looked. Uh, I didn't I didn't have a major issue with that. Uh, it was just kind of annoying that I had to read subtitles for them. Uh, you know, if I'd had to yeah. read subtitles for Martok every time he was on scene, I, I don't think I would have appreciated him as much as a character. Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's th- there's fancy ways of emphasizing hey they're speaking another language and then it just kind of transitions into english very and it's established that they're speaking klingon but then you don't have to do all the work exactly phase it out like kevin costner and robin hood prince of thieves you know we got a good five minute dose of a british accent and then after that he went full bull durham and uh (laughs) you know nobody cared right nobody cared yeah, I, I was fine. I mean, it's to me, it's sort of dumb that they look like they're wearing like fishbone armor because you know, I mean, they're a spacefaring race. I think that they, at this point they would have seen the, you know, benefits of metal Not armor. Snagging. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, but what I mean, it, yeah, it, this that is the well, least maybe, of maybe. my issues. Maybe that was their dinner clothes. We we didn't actually see their warfaring clothes. Um, you know, the, the, the torchbearer, you know, whoever, I guess the Urukai guy diving into Helm's Deep, um, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, he had a little bit better armor on, you know. Although he's well, still, he was he's well, because it was a like space suit. Yeah. yeah, he looked anything like a Klingon to me. Uh, they, they even had to put the little insignia on there to telegraph that one. But, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and we don't want to get get ahead of ourselves. There's a a whole uh, world of materials around that spacewalk that we need to address too. <laughs> right. Well, um, first of all, when you've only got a 20 minute mission timer, why do you shoot her out like like three miles from the asteroid field? Get as close as you can, and then shoot her. You know, like three minutes are off the clock. Before she even enters the debris field, and as soon yeah. as she starts coming back, they're like, "Beam her out!" As soon as she gets out of the static field, which is not the same apparently as the asteroid field. So why didn't you just beam her in as close as you could? It, 
Once again, that's a fair point. That's a away fair point. team mission also, planning is I, not the strength of this. I really this appreciated. Crew. Yeah, yeah, and I really appreciated how they just glossed over how they actually did ever get her back. I guess we're just supposed to believe she continued to careen out of control until she was eventually in transporter range. Because then they were like, "Oh, we made you back three hours ago," and why? Why three hours? I guess because it was long enough that nobody questioned it. But uh, you know. Everyone on the bridge is in full panic mode. They can't find her. They can't lock on to her. They can't figure it out. And then the next thing we see, she's uh, in futuristic underwear, hanging out in the little uh, rejuvenation bed. Because her DNA is turned to noodles. Yes, it's 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 going to spaghetti. It's fibrillating like noodles. Uh, <laughs> but so on this space. Are you telling me now? Obviously, we have thrown out any sort of Federation protocols already. Is there not kind of a standing rule that says, "Hey, if you're in a spacesuit and have 20 minutes before you're dead and you lose communication, shouldn't you turn around and go back and re-engage it?" That part kind of bothered me. They're like, "Oh, she's like, oh well, you know, as long as my video recording is going, as long as my GoPro is still working, I'm going <laughs> to head on over to this." Well, this episode is trying to establish that she's a complete dumbass, is all I can figure. That's yes. Good. Because she does Basically, stupid yeah. thing after she's, stupid thing. <clears throat> she's a loose cannon that knows better than anybody else. Um, and yes, a, a very likable character. Uh, oh, yes, I, absolutely. I, I really, really found myself rooting for um, you know, throughout <laughs> the whole show. Oh, yeah. Well, thank <clears throat> God. Spoiler alert. She gets sentenced to life in prison and so I, we won't have to deal with her anymore that's right yeah end of story <laughs> oh, end geez. of story so. and they keep making a big deal about her being raised by Vulcans just to show that it didn't take I guess <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I knew it was coming I knew it was coming. I was going to finish your sentence for you, but I didn't. Well, well, actually, all the uh, all the undesirable traits of Vulcans apparently stuck, right? So, you know, she she had no um, decorum about her. You know, she uh, when she first beamed on as, as Sarek's envoy, even Sarek didn't want to stand there long. He's like, "Here's my envoy. Behave. I'm out." You know, and he went ahead and beamed back out. Um, but all the uh, all the good stuff about being Vulcan. She didn't pick up, right? So she didn't have any of that just cold, hard logic about her. If I heard her say, I'm trying to save you all by starting a war, one more time on my second watch through, I was going to lose it because <laughs> that's about the most un-Vulcan thing. The Vulcans would say, we're going to sacrifice this ship to save a war. Um, but Listen, uh, you know, listen. So the needs the of the Vulcan, people I care about outweigh the needs of of literally all life ever, in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, and even that comes up again in a later episode. Um, but Joe Bob, I don't, I don't want to give you any. Uh, well, they, I don't want they, to make you any more discouraged about watching more episodes. So they, it's, and I, I mean, I feel like it almost has to be intentional, but. I also think that maybe maybe it's not, and they just don't know what they're doing. And they keep putting her in situations where she's forced to choose between taking the logical course of action or the emotional course of action. 
And every single fucking time she picks the emotional one. So I because assume that, they're that creates they're a deep character, Joe Bob. Yeah, that creates a well-rounded three-dimensional character that you don't want to see succeed ever. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe her as well-rounded and three-dimensional. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, all right, all right. So, so, so back to this this spacewalk that she mentioned was going to be a flyby, um, and then she proceeds to land on it and engage in physical combat. Why not just take off? Mm-hmm. And you cling on, and he swings his bat left at you. Why is your first inclination to fly into? Him? I guess I didn't get that one. I guess the plot needed it to advance, but. Um, Apparently, ramming people is a big tactical move. In it's the only superseded century. by the tractor beam. Tractor beam is the only <laughs> tactical move that is more viable oh, in this universe. Yes. yes. So, <laughs> but here's the other thing, and I, I, I couldn't help but keep asking myself this, because I want y'all to make sure that I, I'm, I'm seeing this the right way. So we're we have a Federation relay out there that we identify within the first five minutes of the scene has been uh, shot, right? It was not an asteroid. Whatever happened to it was intentional. Right. And we still are sitting there, um, you know, oh, well, let's just keep investigating around. We need to figure this out. You know, at what point do you start to, and, and I felt like everybody kept saying, something's not right. We may have been lured out here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's like they just kept taking the bait on everything that happened. And, uh, you know, it goes all the way back to that Federation Relay starting. But so, so this Federation Relay is at the edge of Federation space. Um, they, they say repeatedly it's Federation territory. Can someone explain to me why the artifact of Kalas is in Federation territory? Why would it not be like, near Quonos? So... If there's an imminent threat to Klingon survival, everybody returns home to defend the home planet. Why is it off on this far reach of Klingon space in Federation territory? Because that's where the plot needs it to be. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. pre- one I, I, one I presumes guess. that that didn't well that wasn't always Federation territory. So, well, but still, um, still though that. You know, you, you have you have 360 degrees in in every plane uh, directions that an attack put, could come from. Right. If I'm going to put an emergency distress beacon to save humanity, when we, if we ever get to a spacefaring society, I'm probably going to put it somewhere near Earth. You know, I'm not going to put it way the hell out somewhere to be like, you know, hey, everybody assemble here so we can protect Earth. Where are we? Oh, I don't know. We're 500 light years from it. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being nitpicky. But if Armageddon comes through this, uh, comes from this direction that encompasses 0.001% of the <laughs> outer radius of our empire, we're going to know about it. Well, do we even know that that's, that is where that's been all that time? Or is it something that they, they moved there and... Look, set it off there because that's where they wanted to have the fight. All right, everybody, we we need to reintroduce you to Warden. Warden is the optimist here, and he <laughs> wants to believe that what they do is intentional with the writing. Uh, I feel like you're giving him a little more credit. 
But I tell you what, all right, so we'll go with that. So they, they moved this beacon right next to the Federation communication relay that somehow has no idea it's there. Um, sure, let's go with that. Uh, so, so we've got this beacon. It's in Federation space, and, and we're gonna we're gonna go investigate it. And uh, and so we kill the torch bear, and and we begin a irreversible chain of events that had more exits than a goddamn interstate. But yet we still kept going down the path uh, towards a calamitous altercation with the Klingon. Am mm -hmm. I right? Is, is that kind of how y'all interpreted it? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well. Oh, um, just so, one so other thing from that scene. Um, I, and this is a nitpicky thing, and I know we're, um, we've already discussed that, yeah, you mean you, you, you change things. I mean, it, it's okay, and it's okay to reimagine things. But we've also said there are things that maybe, you know, you can reimagine it, but why? Um, one of those for me here is the Batleth. The, the original design for the Batleth from that they, they, they showed in TNG was is the reason it's iconic is it's like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a weapon that makes right. sense. Nobody's going to make and, letter openers out of these things. Right. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's this thing is just like it just drips. It looks that way because somebody thought it looked cool. <laughs> yeah. And, then, you know, so stuff, I mean, when you, that, that's an example of something where they changed it just, and it's just like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I it, now it's just a stick with blades on either end, right? Yeah. That was kind of what it looked like to me. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it did not, I'll tell you what it bothers me because, you know, I, I, you know, didn't really get to it but um earlier but you know you, joe bob you said you like the ships and when i grew up i like the ships too but a lot of the stuff that speaks to me is the cultural stuff and the world building and that kind of thing and the 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 tng batleth looks like a cultural object yeah this other thing is, looks like a movie prop yeah it's like it's, it's like how do we take the batleth and dial it up to 11 that's that's kind of what they <laughs> mm -hmm. they did with it and it just, uh, but but meanwhile, the face. But in doing so, they made it look more generic. identical to TOS. Yeah. So, uh, again, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but but speaking about things that I thought they did well, the spacesuit, you know, the the EVA suit, um, I thought it was pretty good. You know, they had the thruster blocks where it was firing in all different directions based on where she needed to go. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I felt like they, they did a good job with that. That was a well-done visual scene, you know, with, with her kind of uh, uh, skirting through the asteroid field. I thought they did well with that. I don't see um, why you couldn't have, if you can pilot that thing through an asteroid field, why you can't pilot a shuttle, but... I, mm -hmm. I don't either. You know, and, and then they, they tilted the ship down to help her with, with her first launch. You know, that's something we never really saw in Star Trek before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with the exception of maybe, I guess Star Trek Two was was one of the first times I remember them actually moving to a three dimensional battlefield. But, yeah. So I, I I thought they did that part well. But to be fair, uh, that is the end of my things they did well list. So I'll stop interjecting. 
I I just I I don't even remember that much about the spacewalk because shortly thereafter we get the scene where they add the torchbearer's body to the others. Oh yes, on the outside of the ship. So the ship is completely covered in the ship. remains of the cloak ship. Mm-hmm. Was the sarcophagus cloaked, or are we supposed to believe that there's a field around it where it's not the objects themselves? It, there's kind of like a like a shield bubble, and everything that happens in there is is unseen. I think I I don't. I don't know exactly I, I, how cloaking I, devices work, but I think it's a field that scatters the light. Yeah, I, around it. That, that that doesn't bother me too much. I mean, it it, yeah. I, it feels like when 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 this coffin or whatever be, lands on the ship, it basically becomes part of the ship, and I can see that. That's there. there <laughs> there's plenty of other things to hate about it without getting right. into that yeah. too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this and, ship. And that's this why we ship. need to balance each other out. <laughs> this ship that is looks Clearly like it's about forty. Look like a Katinga battle cruiser, right? They, yeah, but it looks they like it's about off the silhouette, but then try to change it enough to make it their own. But it looks like yes. it's about forty times bigger than the uh, Federation ships, and I guess it was built in somebody's backyard and. <laughs> And it's covered in remains that date back thousands of years in some cases. So, like, was his, he said it belonged to his father. Was his father watching for KLS too? Like, yeah, and adding I, people I, on this? And Klingons, I, I don't, I mean, have they been in space for thousands of years? Or did that they? That is the implication, yeah. Or did he, like, uh, decorate it with bones when he went? Takuma, uh, actually, if you read his bio, he got his start as a Klingon grave digger. And so he would kind of just go around and pick up some big old bones and said, man, you'll, you'll make some damn good armor on my ship. And just haul him back to uh, to his little little campsite there. That's that's the only way he can wind <laughs> up a thousand-year-old remains on his ship. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even pick up on that. I, I, I'd see that. I just well, they didn't say that. it. No, I mean, they didn't dwell on it because... They needed right. to get. It's that's another uh, thing that that modern Star Trek and modern Star Wars and modern everything does is they never stop to actually, like, absorb the world building at all. They just like, oh, let's go blow something else up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, uh, so so Burnham gets back. Um, she forgot to safely eject her flash drive, and the data was corrupted. And um, <laughs> so they they get her back and. In three hours, nobody, you know, obviously I understand, maybe she was incapacitated. Nobody sought to understand what actually happened, right? And I I just keep feeling like at some point, you know, Picard uh, never skimped on the red alert. He was was always ready to protect his ship and its crew. I feel like this is pretty willy-nilly around here. Um, They didn't even realize, I guess, that Weapons were locked on them when they when they finally uh, hailed Takuma, you know. But at no point, you know, you obviously something terrible has happened to Burnham. Why did they not get her and pull back to a safe distance, go to Red Alert, ask her what happened? You know, she just mm-hmm. meanders onto the bridge three hours later in a hospital gown, 
and it's like, hey, the Klingons are here. Oh, no, you've had a concussion. You, you know, we can't trust anything that you say, even though you were there, <laughs> and we have no data, uh, but your parents were killed by Klingons, and you always assume it's the Klingons. So, again, I guess the plot had to have it happen that way, but um, it, it seemed to me like if a TNG episode had an away team member come back near death, they would have done something within a three-hour window. I guess they were trying to fix that damn relay. <laughs> I, I don't know. And can we talk about the, the, the whole idea that, you know, you have a horrific experience with members of one species and the, the whole trope of, you know, you automatically hate everybody of that species um, and then and, and can't even be relied on to think logically about a situation because of that. And I mean, I understand because I understand that's how, like, you know, some racism works. Yeah, well, I, I get what you're saying. Is... I, I do feel like. Every chance she had to say Klingons are, uh, they're just bloodlust and, and, and a warring species, they want nothing else than a battle. But that's the only MO they ever have. She did kind of reduce them down to a MacGuffin uh, that's just there to start a fight. Well, there's uh, an old Vulcan <laughs> proverb. Only Nixon <laughs> could go to China. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, for him to have been picking a fight, he was really, really careful to let them always mm -hmm. make the first move. Like, he didn't just go into the, like, you know, he destroyed a, or, or damaged a, a relay. Didn't, wasn't yeah, waiting, didn't decloak when the ship showed up. Waited, let them come to him. They killed some, they killed one of his crew. Didn't decloak, didn't set off the flashbulb. <laughs> Waited flash until bulb. they locked the phase the, the phasers on him. Not even on him. On his artifact. They locked the phasers on, on the artifact. It was like a, a second subspace disturbance around that artifact. It was not the ship. The ship was not the artifact? No. No, the artifact is like you said, it's it's the flashbulb over there. Um, no, that was part of, that part of the ship. That was no, they they're separate because the ship was right in front of the Shinjo, and the well, artifact was okay. Was way there in the asteroid field. If 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 you can't well, take but, a personal okay. shuttlecraft into that asteroid field, how are they going to put that big Hawking sarcophagus ship thing in there? So how do, how did the torchbearer get there? He he, he you know. He he didn't he didn't literally he was there already. Um, he's like the knight in <laughs> Last Crusade. He'd been he'd been standing there for however long, ready to go, uh, and his with his bat left and, 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 and his torch. Joe Bob, Klingons are much better in VA. That's well, all. That's Al, I mean, Albino didn't have trouble going out to light. Well, I think turn he on the light. The Well, then why, what's the point of being on the... Dude, why, he became the new torchbearer. Why did he not go live why there? Why not button pusher? Yeah. Oh, hell, Valk, the button pusher. Son of none. <laughs> yeah, and how about that? 
they make this whole big deal about Takuma being remain Klingon, and we are, uh, you know, I, my father's house was dishonored, and we can't. And and he kind of gives this poor guy a hard run to start with. He's like, "Oh, you're not worthy." What what makes you think? Oh, you're some kind of uh, sadomasochist, and we'll stick your hand in the fire. You're clearly worthy. You know, you've you've totally flipped the script on me. So, um, you know, but uh, again, we needed him to be interjected into the plot. We couldn't just have the original torchbearer, the the torchbearer's brother there. Um, yeah, even though he's on the ship, and uh, this this whole sect that they have is held together by faith. He's like, you know, I'm not really sure I'm buying into all this. Um, I don't think they're going to come, so I'm out. But, well, but, you know, that is an opportunity to establish Voke as a true zealot. Um, so, there is that. Yeah, which I guess they needed that. You know, they, they, needed, they needed a true zealot to take over. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, you know, I think we all know that Takuma's going to get killed you know, before the before this is all over. So I guess they did have to go ahead and set up a, uh, you know, a... I, I, I still don't get why he, why he didn't go to the I, artifact. I got... How did they recover the Torchbearer's body I, so I, quickly? Who knows that... Who, who's to say they did? I mean, they really don't make... Well, they did it within... They That's did it within true. three hours, because before he was even cold, they had him well, locked I mean, in a sarcophagus jumping, and attached him to, to the, the ship. Um, after the the, the 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 fight that's coming, they I mean you know you see how the Klingons they they <laughs> use their everybody's favorite tool, the tractor beam, to pull their dead in. So um, presumably that's how they did it so fast. Um, yeah, how does yeah. that not get noticed? Like, I get that you, I'm willing to say, okay, you can cloak the sarcophagus, but like, Captain, there's a tractor beam coming out of fucking nowhere, and it's pulling a dead Klingon (laughs) right up in front of us. Oh, it just disappeared as if it were cloaked. Can you transport through a cloaking device? A bird of prey cannot check to me while she's cloaked. All things being equal, Mr. Willie, I would agree with you. However, all things are not equal. Can you cloak this through a clo- um, uh, beam through a cloaking device? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. Uh, because I that's the other can. thing I could think. Maybe it would. Maybe he was sucked into the artifact and then beamed him aboard. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Who, I mean, who, who knows? It who had knows, to so. happen, and so it did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's right. So. You know, so we have our big um, meeting, our mm-hmm. big hologram mm-hmm. meeting, and uh, yeah, uh, we all zoom. agree yes. that, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so all but one. One guy's like, uh, <laughs> I'm out. Uh, everybody else is like, oh, yeah, I would love to hear more. And so we, we go ahead and we see if we set off the beacon. When did the mutiny occur? Was it before uh, or after the beacon? Oh, crap. Um I'm a little fuzzy here because the plot was so convoluted. Um, yeah, but again, actually, before it's after the I guess we get to that. The mutiny happens. Um, the the captain. Okay, so the captain calls the the admiral, 
report saying what they said, and the admiral's like, it mm-hmm. feels like a setup. I want you well, to yeah, stand there. Well, yeah, because anybody with any sense would think that. <laughs> right. But but you have to stand there. You have to stay there and uh, and protect yourself from the ships that you can't see, and you don't actually know that anybody's there. Did nobody think that maybe this was a decoy so that they could go attack the uh, the colony that was three light years away or the other thing that was five light years away and said, we're going to sit still and we're going to make sure, you know, why not just pull back to a, a good defensive position? He said, the Admiral said, be my great wall, Jojo. <laughs> Keeping out the <laughs> Han bastards. Cling on the horde. Oh my. Okay, so speaking of things that, okay, you can update, but the hologram projections uh-huh. bothered me. Like, I, I maybe maybe that's how they would talk, whatever, but at least when Picard did it, they did it in the holodeck. So I'm like, okay, I can see that. But, like, just put it on a fucking view screen. Yeah. Like you always do. I mean, it's... Well, the- the conference call with 24 houses would have been, uh, it would have been tough yeah. to have managed, yeah. right? So, uh, I, I get the, the holiday. Hello? Is, is this mic on? You have to press it's, the unshared screen right now. But, um, you Are know. you seeing my screen? <laughs> no. No, no, the button. Wait, I gotta go with the targ out. <clears throat> the other button. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! You know the holograms bothered me worse um, when they were all like standing around, huddled together. Like if they'd have had twenty-four distinct locations or, or something where these holograms were, that's one thing. Hell, Derek walked around her quarters and went and sat on a table. What the hell was that? So not only do these holograms project themselves onto these ships, they have some kind of physical presence to go with them. Oh my God! Um, yeah, now, now that you think, I'm not. Think- so why even put people? Why even put people <laughs> on these ships? Why did anybody bring that up in the space division? <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> why, why send them on away mission? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point. Uh, maybe, maybe the Vulcan, uh, 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 maybe the Vulcan projectors were better. I mean, after all, we did make a point to call out how the Federation was using outdoor, outdated <laughs> lateral transporters. Um, not sure why we made that point. But um, it's basically that was just this. Michael's a pain in the ass. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. The Shinzo was too. old, I guess. But uh, did this come out the same year as the Last Jedi? Uh, 2017. So is that, that the same be... year? Yes. I'm yeah, trying to figure out which year. franchise ruined long distance mental magic communication <laughs> first because Check yes this, this would have been fall later on September of when Sarek yeah. is like when Mike's like 
how the fuck are you here? And he's like, oh, well, you know, I've been inside you, so now I can project to you from all the way from Volk. And it's kind of tough. If I do it too yeah. long, I'll just fade away into a, you know, trinary <laughs> sunset. But that would be stupid. <laughs> so I'm not going to yeah. do that. Uh. Maybe that's why Sarah could sit on the table. Maybe his hologram yeah. promoted some of his his uh, Kama Sutra or Chakra. chakra. Or, or, what is um, it? No, uh, Katra. Katra. Um, yeah, Katra. Katra. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he had the identical table in his uh, room on Vulcan and it just happened to line <laughs> up perfectly. Hold on, know. let me go to my Michael room. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what what might have been actually kind of uh, cool is if he was leaned against the table and you just see him leaning like in midair and and you know at least then it would that would have felt you know right legitimate you know because because nothing screams Vulcan like being nonchalant and just sitting on a Good table. Point. <laughs> well, yeah. they're all they're all about comfort mm. and ergonomics and being at ease. That is true. Yes. Yes. That is true. So, you know, if, and I'm bouncing around, I know. I thought that the whole Vulcan. Yeah, this is going to be an editing nightmare, Warden. <laughs> well, we're just going to do it shit, linear, and I'm just going to take out up, truly. Well, yeah. yeah. No, we're good. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. If a human can do the Vulcan neck pinch, like, I thought that was a Vulcan thing, but apparently it's not. I mean, Lone Star did it. And it did. And- you know, yeah. the baseball was able to tell him the right place <laughs> okay, to do it. Okay, so it, 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 it's clearly common knowledge. I, I, well, well, I, I mean, fuck. If an android, if an android can do a oh, mind don't get me started on that. Honestly, the, the, the nerve pinch thing makes more sense to me than a non-biological being, or at least, it. Anyway, yeah. Okay, where, yeah. I'm, where I'm going with this is if you could teach it to a human, mm-hmm. that might be a good thing to put in a Starfleet Academy class on self-defense. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, there is no point uh, in this episode where it would be good to be able to incapacitate an enemy with just a pinch of the shoulder um, later on. Yeah, like trying to capture a high-value target. Exactly. But I just... if I mean, if, if it's not specific to Vulcans, why don't they teach it to everybody? Yeah, they they do... I mean, no... It, it, oh. the, the, the everybody that it, it, it originated with it. But, um, yeah, so. Before we go down this primrose path too far, there's a, there is a there is a long history of people who are not Vulcan doing it. Um, Data did it. Picard did it. Um, uh, Seven of Nine did it on Voyager. Um, Odo did it on DS Nine. So I mean, it's it's more of a technique. Picard than any. All right, all right, all right. fair enough. Picard only did it right when he was possessed by Sarek, right? Well, yes, it, it, he 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 developed or, or the ability the... came after mind melded with with Sarek. Yes, um, he wasn't possessed anymore it's it, it was just right, but yes my, yeah my fault 
but but it it still had the it's it still involved linking with the Vulcan. Right. Well, but Android had not. I mean, Android data had not. Um, and so I I think it's just I I think the lore is that the reason no not everybody can do it is it's just hard. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. And maybe they do. I don't. <laughs> Is it harder than sending a middle-aged Asian woman onto the bridge of a, <laughs> of a ship full of Klingon warriors? Hey, you're right, you're right. we only had a we had a finite amount of characters introduced at this point. Oh, don't forget Lieutenant and, Toasterhead and Blinky Light guy, <laughs> and and man who confuses Brig with yes. Lupe. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, again. Again, the plot needed him to be there. Can you get to sick bay? Yes. Minutes later. Why am I in the brig? Concussion, <laughs> okay, um, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again. We had to get him there. So, because we couldn't just blow up the the brig room without sucking somebody. Oh, no. It wouldn't no, have indeed. been exciting otherwise. Well, it sets, sets the stakes. Um, that's right. So, all right. So, so, we light the beacon. It goes off. Um, there are no blinds on the Shinzo, <laughs> uh, so it just it just illuminates the bridge. I can't see anything. Then, then at one point they literally hit the mute button on the yes. panel. Did you notice that? <laughs> yes. They pushed a button and it came yes, up and said mute. <laughs> you know, uh, I was envious because I kind of <laughs> wanted to mute the shit show at that point. Also. So, so they mute it, but of course, you know, the reverberations yeah. of the, the ship structure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So it still makes the same same sound. So it, um, so we're still... Uh, we still have but the, the point, view so, screen on the bridge so the Admiral, is an actual window at this point. I've never... Under, I, it would appear yeah, that way, yeah. That's, it, A little HUD pops up when they were looking. But there's out. no blast doors. For whatever reason, uh, no, and that bit him on the and that bit him on the ass later, because uh, the bridge got blown up. Remember? Well, yeah, yeah. And and they had to put it. They apparently had these force fields out everywhere, but uh, because that's more anyway, futuristic. Right, right, so, so where were we? Warden, Warden, bring us back, because I'm I'm kind of lost as to where we actually are <laughs> on the show right now. Um, yeah, we're we're, um, we're pretty much. I mean, let, let's see. Um, they lit the beacon. Everybody's blinded. Is it possible? Yeah. Is it possible to put out so much light that someone sectors away on a different planet thinks it's a supernova, and it not be damaging at all to ships? To your retina. Well, I mean, yeah, every single uh, one of their retinas actually, would have been burned out. Um, yeah, they quantified it. They said it was like a billion lumens per. Second or per something. square meter. Like they even try. I, mean, yeah, I, I guess or, it would depend on what wavelengths of light are being emitted. If it's just visual light, then yeah, it's not necessarily going to fry everybody. It's it, it's got to be whether there. I mean, it, it would be a matter of whether there's infrared and ultraviolet yeah, and so on and so forth. So yeah, but even I think even visual the visual wavelength. At that intensity, can can damage things. 
I could be wrong. I I I I, I am. But, I do not know the physics well enough. Yeah, if that's true, that chances are it wouldn't have been visible light to have been able to have that. Kind well, of reach that's a good anyway, point because but, yeah, redshift. Um, yeah. So, but but it's okay because all twenty four house leaders were sitting there playing poker game. They all apparently saw it at the same time. That bothered me. And they all warped in. It, but that bothered me time. so much that every single one of them came <laughs> at the exact same time, and then the fucking Federation did the same thing too, except for the flagship. I can, I can almost say maybe if the Federation dispatched them from like a starbase or something, that would be more believable. But they knew what they were getting ready to do. These twenty-four houses are basically warring with each other, spread out. You know, I, I'm more shocked that when one of them shows up, they're like, "Holy fuck, it's a setup." And and then they, you know, they start squabbling intermixed with themselves. You know, they don't even notice this little bitty federation ship over here. But, you know, so they get up. They're like, you know, who who rang the bell? Uh, you know, who, who called this? The man won't even show himself. And so they they had their holographic conference call. And uh, and that's, that, that's where episode one no, closes out. No, right? no, no, no. No, 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 the mutiny. We had the right, mutiny in episode one, right? Right at, yeah, right at, okay. well, and, yeah, we can't forget about yeah, that. Well, and just a real uh, quick thing. I think um, the, the um, whole them arriving at the same time and that being weird thing is, is a, um, is a, a, a side effect of, of how much spiritualism they're injecting into all of this because you get a lot of that in, in fantasy movies and stuff like that where, you know, there's a call and, all the magic users come to the same place or something like that. And I, I think it's, they wanted to have that kind of effect with, you know, sci-fi and you get weird when you do that. Which is dumb yeah. because this is, they're not magic users. They're on starships. I, I understand that. I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm saying, I'm wondering if that's not maybe a bit of a split. <laughs> symptom is here is there. I mean, yeah. Well, well, look, you know, this was a pilot. We only had so mm-hmm. long in the recording studio, so we we had exactly. to have them show well, all show. And there's, the there is, we couldn't yeah. stagger them, uh, or we would have gone with over with each budget. house leader. So we, and each yeah, one with just one ship, because twenty four ships, yep. twenty four houses, that cannot be a coincidence. It just makes too much. Cannot sense. be a coincidence. <laughs> I'm like, I mean. Yeah, it's not like there's five thousand seven hundred eighty-five ships at five thousand seven hundred eighty-five houses. Like twenty-four seems like a pretty reasonable number for ships to. Mm-hmm. And like I, I mean, there's uh, a rule know, but, that none of them can send two. I mean, if it's something so big, it's going to unite the empire. Like, I might take a handful of ships. That's fair. Uh, this is fair. Giving benefit of the um, doubt, pres- this all has the feeling of something oh, that's uh, been set up in advance. Warden can't even sound convincing given the benefit <laughs> of the doubt right now. It, 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 even he's having to give the benefit of the doubt to the benefit <laughs> of the doubt right now. So. Okay, so the uh, the, mu- the mutiny, yeah. So uh, um, so 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 everybody shows up. So uh. Actually, no, no, the beacon goes off. Then mm-hmm. we have the mutiny. Right, right? the mutiny is during the beacon the mutiny, before the ships get there. Because she's so convinced right, that she's then, right. 
That's right. As soon as the beacon uh, goes off or, or powers down, the ship's all chucked mm-hmm. Right. She talks to Sarek during this during the beacon because he says, oh, yeah, there's a supernova out there. And she's like, no, no, yeah. no, no, just, just, just a lighthouse. What do, what do we do to the Klingons? Yeah. It's like, well, Check. we take the Vulcan approach, which is shoot first, ask questions later. Because that's the most that's right. Vulcan hello I can possibly imagine. Th- 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 that's not, yeah. okay. <laughs> live long and, live long and eat shit. <laughs> it was slightly more nuanced oh, than man. that, but okay. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that's where it yeah. went, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's one yeah. of those things where, um, you know, he told this very nuanced story about how things worked in one specific situation, and you see him kind of and specifically told her, <laughs> do that, not apply this, this. Statement. Do not apply <laughs> this to every situation. This is not a this is a very very yep. specific response to a specific situation between two specific cultures. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Don't go applying it to this situation." She's okay, like, "Okay, right, so we should go shoot him, right?" Exactly <laughs> what you did. Oh fuck! <laughs> and 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 so. can can we talk about the probably the most spineless and useless bridge crew <laughs> in all of Starfleet? Because I just cannot imagine that if Riker told Picard essentially to go fuck himself in front of everybody. Picard was like, number one in my ready room now. And then all of a sudden, Riker just strolls out and is like, oh, let's see, I'm going to lock torpedoes and fire on this motherfucker. That they'd be cool with that. You know, and if Data was like, that does not appear to be the captain's wishes. (laughs) Oh, yeah, well, the captain said it was cool. He's actually talking to the admiral. I totally didn't just incapacitate him. Uh, We we need to fire now. (laughs) And if you uh, have any problems with that data, get the fuck off my bridge. Yeah, no further question. <laughs> like, what? But, I know, the, 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 the whole scene was just, and, and she kept saying, I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save you it's all. It's like, no, you're not. I'm starting you a just war. Think you just are so arrogant. <sighs> yeah. She was, she, like I said, she, she was, she's a very unlikable character. And I don't, at this point, uh, like I said, I've watched a few more episodes, but at this point, I don't see how you're going to build an entire show around her uh, because it's just she, she's so unlikable. You don't want her to succeed. For, you know, you kind of want her to knock down a peg or two. For all that they tried to so, tell you that Picard had an ego, <laughs> like, yeah. he ain't got nothing on this. The sheer fucking hubris. <laughs> I will say you, you you're not hearing nearly as much, many as and many f bombs in Discovery. It, it, there is no, that. No, no. Um, I don't think there were any in the pilots, but I have I, I've had yeah, a few been a in the regular were, episodes. Uh, Maybe okay. once they got picked up, they could, well, uh, they could go uh, for but it. But the yeah. first two episodes were um they uh, the show premiered on CBS on that network television. So they would have had to be careful about that. So as soon as it went to its normal uh all access internet onlyness, then they could get Yeah. Okay. Ah, that's okay. 
that makes sense now. Yeah. So at this point, I, 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 and I think I may have texted you guys, said, if Mike does not spend the entire second episode in the fucking brig, like if JoJo doesn't say, get the fuck off my bridge and never come back, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Oh, well, that was I know that uh, you know, we're, we're retroactively watching Discovery, but that's what happened with old Agnes Everdeen or whatever Joe her Hattie. name was. Yes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're like, oh, you murdered the guy. <laughs> uh, you okay. know. No, no she good. She's just acting no out. You know. <laughs> happens to a lot of Earth girls, you know. <laughs> She'd never slept with a captain. That's before. right, you know. Sleep around a little bit, get drunk, uh, brutally murder an ex-lover. It's, you know, Taylor's oldest time, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right. Don't like the though. Fight and Fury, performed by RJ Wells, using the lessons from Shutterstock.